Internet, there is no better time than to get your loved one a Bevel product. It's the holiday season. So look, if you don't know about Bevel, I'm going to put you on right now. Head on over to getbevel.com forward slash Pete. Get yourself a discount. Free shipping. Listen to me. The shaver, the razor. If you get your significant other, your friend, your brother, your cousin, your loved one a Bevel, they will thank you later. So one more time, getbevel.com forward slash Pete. Cheer. Internet, man, listen, thank you so much for all the feedback from the last episode with Ralph Friedman, the most decorated detective in NYPD history. Man, it, 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 it was a challenge, and, and I feel like that episode, obviously many of you know I got DM'd, emailed, text, so many people hit me up, that it was frustrating for me, but I think I learned to... Um, not let my feelings get in the way and, and really conduct an interview to let, you know, let, let this guy tell his side of how he feels. You know, I think it was a good look at the lens of an officer and, and how they think. And being if I would have probably, you know, let my feelings get in the way, probably we weren't able to be able to hear uh, a lot of that. I know it, it, I know it was tough to do, but uh, I think it was uh, an embracing change that I think is is needed to conduct interviews to let people tell their story. We're not going to agree with everything, man. That's just life. I don't agree with everything, you know, a lot of people say, and I'm sure some people don't agree with everything I say, but I I think it was it, it was it was frustrating. It was it was you know, but I I could have ended it and then probably not been able to get more of what this guy was saying and 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 you know, so many people hit me up and was like, "Look, Man, you know, that was frustrating to listen to, but I really enjoyed hearing how they think and operate. And it's not everybody, but it's just, man, it, listen, check the Ralph Freeman episode. Uh, it was good. And I want to do more like that in the future. Not just cops, like maybe people in, 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 in the judicial system. Am I saying the right judicial? Could be, could be, could be premium Pete word of the day. But listen, internets, man. Keep on checking those episodes. Check the catalog. If this is the first time you're listening, check the catalog, man. I try to diversify every episode. So we try to have an artist, an athlete, an entrepreneur. You know, listen, who knows who we may have, okay? 2018, I'll tell you one thing. I'm working on fucking a lot of my fucking soprano friends. Forget about it. I want a lot of them motherfuckers in here. Um, but I'll tell you one thing. The You Gotta Eat This sneaker that me and Bun did the sushi with Ewing is still available. Shouts to everybody in Houston, man. I had such a good time down there with the live show. Shouts to everybody who copped a pair. More importantly, January 2nd, they will be available worldwide on UNAthletics.com. The sushi, the Ewing Athletic Bum B Premium Pete design, you got to eat this sushi, will be available. Now, if you want them early, DM me. But listen to me. The holiday season is upon us, man, and I want everyone who's listening to take the time to make sure that they spend that holiday season not only eating good, but not getting lost. Listen to me. I'm so happy with my family. We recently um, found a family um, through an organization, um, a nonprofit, that gives gifts to families in need. Maybe, you know, there's no father in the house or there's no mother or they don't have any parents. So we found the family and it's a Castro family. Shouts to the Castro family. No, 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 they're not. They're not related to Fidel Castro. And it's three daughters and a mother. And we were able to give them 
Like it, it's crazy because like my whole family got involved, and and I feel for some reason I want people to understand that I feel like people think you need to be rich to give back. People think you need to have like a lot of money to give back. Motherfucker, I'm still trying to fucking figure it the fuck out. But it takes nothing to buy a couple of gifts for kids who, who you know, you, you know. And I'll be honest with you, as a parent of an 18 year, almost 18 year old, and almost a three year old, Christmas is fucking sometimes not my favorite holiday because these kids open up gift after gift after gift. And what's next? What's next? And and you think about this: kids that have no gifts. And I always preach presence over presence, meaning being there over giving a gift. But sometimes it's also in this holiday season, don't forget it's presence with presence. You give a gift, but you be there. Like maybe give a football, but you got to play and, sh- and and throw, the, throw that football around. You know, being a parent and, 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 or just being a, a person around the holiday season is very stressful. You know, financially, it, it's tough. So, you know... What we did for that family, man. I mean, even the mother, we had got her some Shoprite gift cards. I think the kids got some toys, like things they asked for, some clothes, some Sephora gift cards, and you know, my whole family got involved. And 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 and, and I'm proud. I'm proud that we're able to do that. And I want to continue to do more of that. You know, years ago, I used to go to like um, the homeless shelters on Thanksgiving and let my daughter. We used to serve, the, you know, the homeless, and I want to show her that, like, yo. We ain't got it that good, but yo, we ain't got it that bad. And I think it's important to teach your kids that shit because it's so quick for them to socially want something quick and have instant gratification and not understand how fucking hard it is for people out in this world. So, listen, holiday seasons, man, I'm excited as an Italian. We have this thing called Feast of the Seven Fishes, and it's Christmas Eve, and I'm looking so fucking excited for it, man. It's like, because I love fish. And it's everything, like, you know, galmad, it's lobster, it's oysters, it's fucking stuffed filet, salmon, shrimp, that beer-batted shrimp. But I'll tell you one thing, one thing I also want to say before we get to this episode, shouts to anybody on a diet and sticking to it. Yo, let me tell you something. I I, I decided to fucking try to go on a diet a couple days ago. I'm fucking, first of all, I'm fucking mad for no reason. After I'm done eating, like, salad and broccoli and fucking some grilled chicken, I was, like, fucking looking for more food. I'm frustrated. I'm fucking, like, yo, I'm arguing with fucking people. Let me tell you something, man. I, 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 man, (laughs) it's crazy to even say this, but, you know, I'm fucking doing this diet because I feel like, yo, I just want to eat better. And then, like, fucking whatever I ate, I was like, yo, I'm fucking starving. I'm I went and snuck a fucking slice of pizza. I made love to that fucking thing. I I mean, it, it it was insane, like, you know, how I felt. I felt like, you know, I don't know, man. That's why I say, yo, shout out to anybody who's on a diet, man. It's not easy. It's not fucking easy. But listen, during the holidays, get ready. Get ready to spend that time with your family, your friends, your loved ones. Don't miss the opportunity of sharing those special moments. I want to take this time to really send my love and blessings to combat jack you know if you love this guy if you appreciate anything he's done send that man a tweet send him a dm you know whatever it is you know if he don't get back to you don't worry about that just send him your love because you know he needs that now and you know 
I want to send my love to him, man. I definitely want to send my love to him. So, you know, these holiday seasons that are upon us, make sure you take that time to uh, spend them with your family and and, and your friends and your loved ones. Listen, this episode we're about to get into uh, with Static Selector is, is, is really dope. I love Static, man. He has such an amazing journey. I feel like a, a, a low-key journey, you know, but this kid has done a lot. I mean, think about it. He speaks about selling his beats for fucking pizza, and and, and, and then now he did something for fucking Eminem or 2 Chains or fucking Wiz Khalifa or, 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 or how he's been able to work with OGs but also usher in new talent like Action Bronson, like Joey Badass, like Wiz Khalifa, like Mac Miller. Man, this Static Selection episode is filled with gems, filled with hip-hop, filled with somebody who just followed their passion and turned it into reality. Internets, I present to you the Static Selector episode. Cheer. Come on, everybody, get set, let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up, it's the Premium Pete Show. If you want the scoop in the low, down low. Listen to the show, Buzz Milk said so. Fuck what you heard, better act like you know. It's the Premium Pete Show. Internet, welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. Sitting here with my guy, the one and only. Static selector. That's good, man. Finally, finally. Uh, uh, yo, I, I, you know, I say that with certain people, but, you know, I always tell people it's the follow-up. Some yeah. people hit somebody up and like, yo, if they consider them a friend or somebody that they fuck with, and then if you don't follow up, sometimes shit never happens because people are spinning. Right. You may be spinning, I may be spinning. You're, you know, you're touring well, the I'm world. I'm spinning every night records. But, well, you know. Exactly. First off, right off the bat, yeah. static selector. How does that even, like, what the fuck, where did that come from? In uh, junior high school, I started DJing, and my name was DJ. Well, it was actually Shorty B first, and then um, why Shorty B? Because I was like a short kid, and then um, you know I grew a little bit to the point where I was like at least average, and uh, I was like, nah, I'm gonna come up with another name, and uh, I was just like, hey, DJ Static. I got Static with all these kids because a lot of them were like still on that like, you know. You listen to hip hop, man. You don't live in the hood, like it, it, you know, because I had just moved to the suburbs from uh from Lawrence, which you, is a city. You talking about in Boston? Yeah, but I moved from Lawrence to New Hampshire, which was like the suburbs. So there was a lot of like people would literally say, like, "You're not from Compton. Why are you listening to that?" Like stupid, you know, white people stereotype shit in the nineties. Well, I say this all the time, and 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 it's funny that then you have another chance to look at it from a different lens, right? I personally, you know, I'm, I'm Italian, I'm white, but you're, I think you're Irish, right? You're Irish? I'm right? Irish and French. And Irish, and white. Canadian. But, you know, growing up, I, I know how much you love hip-hop. You know how much right. I love hip-hop. I mean, you got tats all over your fucking body of hip-hop. <laughs> you know, there's no question. It's been to, my life since I no, was like 10. I know that. But I've gotten people that said to me, like, yo, what are you trying to be, black? What are you trying to be, a wigger? I've gotten that. Those are the same people that still vote for, like, still going for Trump, having his back and all yeah, that. I know? mean, this is back in the day, too. Yeah. You They've know, always been here. Yeah, it's like now the only the only good thing to come out of uh, what we're going through in in the world is just seeing the spotlight put back on these people. You know what I mean? Sure. You know you've been you've been. I mean, look, your journey has been definitely something to be documented, and and, and we'll bounce around. But speaking of being called a wigger, or speak, speaking of being called like yo, you're right. not from here. What, what fuck you think you hip hop? When did you actually think that you belonged in hip hop? Meaning where you weren't like, yo, I'm, I do this, you know? When you get around other people that do it, and especially because, like, you know, I would go back, you know, to an area that's like 85% Latino in Lawrence and get my hair cut. 
And, you know, the first thing someone would say is like, you DJ, word, this is like 1998. Mm-hmm. And the first thing they'd be like, you DJ? And then they hear me, and then that conversation's over with. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like in hip-hop, especially the the the, the hood will embrace you if you prove yourself. Sure. Because it's like, oh, damn, we don't see that on the regular. You know what I mean? Like, this white kid coming over here and just doing what he does. Sure. So it's like, I got past that quick in that world. But back, you know, where I was going to high school, it was like still. But, you know, by the time... 97 came I think a lot of that changed and a lot of the kids that listen you know they started like Puff Daddy and the family introduced a sure. lot of the suburbs to a lot of hip hop sure. you know what I mean Biggie Tupac but even when Big and Pac were alive I, I saw maybe towards the end I started to see more kids in that area get into it but it, it took a long time but once you know once 97 98 came it was like it was a regular you know, I say, I say that, too, because some people become a product of their environment, meaning, like, you know, I know Chinese kids that live in a project yeah. that you would never think of Chinese. Right. It depends on how they grow up and what they really what they really value, yeah. you know. But but growing up, you grew up with mom and dad? Uh, yeah, until I was 10. They got divorced when I was 10, and then um, my whole world just changed. Like, you, for, the, for the worse, you mean? I was like a, a square kid, man. I mean— it's funny because I look back now. It's like ten years old. Most people are square. They're ten yeah, years well. old, but literally when I was eleven, I got um, sent away for like a little while, and um, it was basically a place for like troubled kids. And I like had to a grow spoffing. up, huh? Like a spoffing? You, it wasn't like a DYS. It was more like a. Uh, it was like a. Um, I'm trying to think of the right way to describe it. Like you're locked like in a every juvenile, night. Maybe. Yeah, but it wasn't like jail cells. It was okay. like rooms that. You know, they get locked every night. You can't leave the room. But like I said, I was 11 years old. So I was in the, I was the youngest kid. A lot of them were like 14 to uh, 17. And, you know, once you're 17, you're going to real jail. Sure. But uh, the rest of the kids in there were all older than me. And I had to like grow up really fast. Like I went from having my first kiss to like talking about sex, like really, really fast. Mm. Like the girl I started dating while I was in there, we broke up, you know, maybe two months later and she got pregnant. Like, that's not normal for an 11-year-old to deal with, you know what I mean? She was 14, but still, it's like looking back on all of it now, it's like, man, life was crazy compared to like sure, all this. Sure, Like a regular, like what does a regular 11-year-old do? Think about I it. I don't even know. I watch them now. Like I see family members and like family of family and just see it and be like, man, you pussy. When I was 11, I was, yeah. you know what I mean? But I don't want to be that old guy that's like, you know. But things have changed, and you know that. <laughs> things have yeah. changed. So, so you know, would you say that was because your parents got divorced? That led yeah, you? definitely. One million percent. I thought life was like cookie cutter. Like, this is what it is. I used to go to church every Sunday. All that. All that disappeared, you know, very shortly after that happened. And, it, you know, I went from really going home after school every day and playing with toys to running from the cops, doing graffiti, you know, and a lot of that had to do with hip hop. Like you get into graffiti sure, sure, and sure. breakdancing and all that. Breakdancing came a little bit later. I was like probably 15 when I got into that, which I was never that good at. Mm-mm. But I, I hung with the best though. Um, we used to, um, man, just the whole thing of like going to the mall and at the most troubled times, I'm not going to act like I was a little thief, but I've, I've stole my share of uh, cassettes and all that mm-hmm. and taken the, you know, what we used to do is save up like $10, go to, you know, uh, tape world or record town put the tissue in the cassette and record our raps over that like we get the cheapest uh say there was like a country single for sale for 49 cents we buy 10 uh, you know 20 of those put uh put the you know the tissue in the cassette tape over it with our raps and sell them at lunchtime mm, mm. and like that you know that's what was my initial entrance to the music industry that was an old school life hacks 
You know, yeah. well, when you think about it, growing up 11 years old, going into like, you know, semi-juvenile, semi, you know, troublesome program. What did moms do growing up? Um, she was, uh, she actually, she went from being a realtor to being kind of a stay at home mom at one point, And then she had to work when my parents got divorced. So basically, you know, she was gone every day after school. And I, I actually initially moved in with my father because I was a 10 year old kid that was like, I want to be with my dad. True. What do pops do? And he, uh, he, to this day, he's still working. He's 80, 80 years old. God and, bless. Uh, he um he works he owns a machine company they make like parts like real precision engineered parts for mm. like different mechanics and all that. You have a good relationship with pops? Yeah, I mean it's it's you know I, I FaceTime with my daughter and all that. We we disagree on a lot of things, but uh, as far as like you know life, he taught me uh, you know sports and how to add and a lot of like science and mathematics stuff that I think helped me out a lot. You know the reason why I mentioned you know your parents divorcing and you you know embarking on like a troublesome journey is because you know listen it's i always say this to people man if you get with somebody and you have a kid um just try your best always to make that shit work i'm not saying stay with somebody if it doesn't work because i'm telling you there's a different life someone gets when they're raised with a parent absolutely parents you know what i mean i mean my daughter's two and i'm already dealing with stuff like that like me and her mom beef all the time but at the end of the day we look at each other like we need to keep whatever it is together for the kid because a kid seeing love growing up and whatever that love may be it's just seeing two adults as a unit raising them is so much more powerful than you know separated entities and sometimes you you don't have a choice yeah sometimes it gets too rough and tough and 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 you got to exit but i'll be honest with you it's like even like you know look at my you know my daughter is going to be 18 my son's going to be three but i look at like him he runs back and forth between me and her mommy daddy mommy daddy he loves that shit the point i'm making too is this is what i tell a lot of fathers when when you when you're a stay-at-home not stay-at-home dad when you're when your boat families are there you come home you see your kid and you give him a hug and everything's all cool you know, you you know you're gonna see them tomorrow. Right. Like, say if they say, "Hey, daddy, let's go." Don't we'll go on the weekend. Don't worry about it. Well, we'll go tomorrow. I'm not saying you're not a good dad. Not meaning you. I'm talking right. about in general. But when you're a separated dad, you only have a limited amount of time. You make the most of everything because you're not gonna see them. You're not sleeping with them all the time. You're and not, unless you know, the woman's a drug addict or something, the woman's getting the, the she's getting the pull when it comes to, you know. To say it, a lot of situations. Yeah, that's nah, just the way it is. Especially tough. when you're the breadwinner. Yeah, of course. But um, listen, th- j- just love your kids, man. But but first of all, congrats on being a newly dad. Thank you, thank you. You know, I see. Um, you know, you, you switching, not switching, but aligning a your life to be with your kid. You're yeah. on tour, then you come back. You're with her. How's how's that been for you? Trying to be it's, like productive? it's been a new adventure, and I've always been about you know new experiences like that's I, I've been living like that my whole life like I never like doing the same thing over and over and it's like I feel like for a couple of years the last couple of years I've been just in a certain mode and then the baby came and it's just like it's a whole new life kind of and, and I've been looking at everything different from health to you know to the risk I take to just the idea of not being there for her just completely destroys anything out there so I just try to do what I can. Like, even like how you just said, like how a father might be like, yeah, we'll do it this weekend or something. I try not even to look at it like that. Like, when the time I spend with her is like, it's always like, yo, anything in the world could happen. Not for nothing. We could get nuked any minute by the assholes over here. And it's like, I literally try to treat every moment like, you know, this is, 
this is what life's about because it's so precious, man. Life is like very, very precious. I lost a lot of friends recently and, you know, I, I've seen other guys out there that have lost, ki- you know, kids at a young age. We actually lost a baby right before Harley and that was like, a, that was a big changer for me. Like, big, big time. God, so, came, God came back and gave you another yeah. one. And you know how I look at it too because there was a lot of, uh, it's a complicated situation and, um, the, only, the way I looked at it after watching, it was some corny movie that was on TV that really changed my view. It's like that that first kid was like the vehicle to help um, Harley be so amazing because we never know if, you know, something might have been wrong with he or she or whatever it is. Harley would not be exactly how she is right now if we had that same, you know what I mean? Because we would have waited. It's all about timing in life and it's about, you know, taking advantage of the opportunity. I just think that Harley came at the perfect time, so. Sure. God bless. That's my I'm happy right to there. see that. You know, um, it's funny because your journey has been all all over the place. You know, obviously producer, obviously DJ. DJ first and foremost. Okay, there you go. See, you remind me of Clark when you say that. <laughs> but you know what? That's that's when you know you're dealing with somebody who takes it seriously. Absolutely. You know, so let us know how you became a DJ. Just being into hip-hop and like, you know, as a kid, like we were talking about, it kind of, it either grabs you or it doesn't. Mm. If it took you 10 years to get into it, I guarantee we don't love it the same. You know what I mean? Like, it grabbed me immediately. Like, when I heard LL Cool J and Tribe Called Quest, Scenario is the song that was like, I want to I wanna get involved with this. When I saw that video, I must have been like eight years old, and I was like, nah, this is, this is something else. You know what I mean? This isn't what my brother plays or what my parents are into. Like, this is like, nah, I want to get into this. And, um... You know, by the time I was 12, I was, like, really analyzing how the beats are made and all that. But, you know, in 1995, I was 13 years old. I heard DJ Premier live on 97 playing exclusives that he produced live on the radio and scratching, you know, cutting them up and all that. And it was like, damn, like, that, that it just grabbed me. Like, this is what I want to do in my life. Like, I want to be the guy that not only playing, the hit, like, the dope songs, but the songs I made. Like, that's a whole nother level. Like, people ask me sometimes, you like DJing or producing more? I like DJing while playing the songs I produced. But that's why I always give Just Blaze amazing credit. This yeah, fucking man. guy plays He's the, the set king of, it. of his Him own and shit. Prima, like, yeah. yeah. Just Blaze can, can do go, hits yeah. all day. Fuck, you know, when you really think about that. Hits all day. And he can really DJ. That's yeah. the thing. Like, that whole Swiss and Just thing is cool, but Swiss don't want it with Just on the turntables. Yeah. On, on a skill level, Swiss got a lot of records. But on a skill level... Come on, he ain't scratching with just or like juggling or any of that. One thing I've always picked up uh, about you over the years is your scratching is nasty. Thank you, man. Where did that even come from? Like, who did someone teach you? And now watching a lot of uh, a lot of it comes from getting into like battling. I was battling at a young age. I won a couple battles, and like my mom wouldn't let me go to the finals because I was still in school. So. I like grew up idolizing like Qbert and the Beat Junkies and Rock Raider and the X Men and all that. Like. You know, it was just, I analyzed it every day. I had all the VHS cassettes you'd have to order from the back of the magazines and all that. And I just watch them every day. And, you know, between that and analyzing Pete Rock and Primo and and, uh, all these guys that were scratching on records, that was like how I learned by just listening and analyzing it. Before I mentioned that you love hip hop so much, you have tats. Yeah. What are some of the tats that people don't know that you have on your body? I mean... The Nas Illmatic one, it just says Illmatic, but that's on my arm. Not everybody gets to see that because I got like, you know, if I'm wearing a T-shirt, you can't see it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, the visible ones, I got I Used to Love Her, which is a very, uh, it's one of my favorite Mm -hmm. songs by Mm -hmm. Common. Um, 
I got the infamous recently for Prodigy. Most definitely. I got uh, the Gangstar tat when Guru passed away. Um, you ever met Guru? I DJed for him at the end. Mm. Yeah. Guru was a, Tell us about that. How I did that Guru, happen? I met Guru before, uh, before, like way before Preem. Guru actually came to my 19th birthday party. How? With um, he came with Crumb Snatch. It was at Club uh, Karma in Boston, and it was like I we I just had the Sunday night that was popping in the city. So they were shooting a video or something, and they just came out. And you know, I was by the time I was blowing candles out on my cake, Guru and Crumb are standing next to me, like really epic for especially being nineteen and growing up off Gangstar. Like it was crazy. So, you know, me and Google got a certain relationship through the years. I was doing a lot of this. I ran the street team company up there. Um, first, I worked at Metro Concepts, then Indie Pro. Then I started my own show-off marketing. And, uh, you know, we were doing Virgin. So when the owners came out a couple of years later, you know, I was bringing Guru and Premier around the city and all that. And that's how I got Guru and Premier. Yeah, but by that point, I had already hung out with Guru a bunch of times. He hosted mixtapes for me and all that. But um, by that point, I had met Preem. And Preem actually lost his phone in Boston, and he took my phone number and called me one day. And I'm like, who's this? He's like, Premier. I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, you found my phone? I'm like, nah, bro. <laughs> and the next time I seen him was in New York. I had just moved to New York, and um, I actually brought him his mail because my friend Travis was working at Empire Managing Gangstar. So he's like, yo, we got to bring uh, Premier's records. You want to come with me? I'm like, hell yeah. I, I had been to D&D once before that, okay. but it had just become headquarters. And we went up there, and Premier's like, "Yeah, I'm starting a show on a uh, serious, you know, serious XM." I'm like, "Yeah, I just started up there too." He's like, "I need it, you know. I'm trying to find exclusives right now." And I put him on this list. I had this infamous email list that was like, it was DJ AM, Primo, Green Lantern, like Clinton Sparks, G Spin. It was a lot of DJs that I was cool with, and you know, they would all always respond and really appreciate it because this is like before the internet was like really a place to get exclusives. It was just like the super nerds knew where to go. And I happened to be like, have that connection. Like I was on some nerd shit when it came to getting exclusives. So I would always go to the labels, get them either go on like certain sites or whatever. And I'd always have the songs first. So I would hook them up and they'd all hit me up and like, take care of me. Like rest in peace. AM. He used to like lace me when I was a, literally a kid i would show up to one of his clubs and i'd walk up like out of dress code and all that and they'd be like hey you're static yeah he'd give me 50 drink tickets like they'd mm. lace me am always looked out for me just <laughs> just off the fact that i'd give him so many exclusives so anyway me and preem got real cool off of um me just sending him records every week and then it's you know it's grown into a whole different relationship from there but um that was all you know the early times in new york when i moved out here you know, one thing uh, I admire about you is that uh, the relationships that you have are, are definitely prosperous, you know, in a game, in an industry that is, like, kind of shady, man. Yeah, man. How, I've how, sacrificed a lot. Like, yeah. I think I could be way more successful if I just did really whack shit, like, dumb down some of the sound. Every time I go to an A&R meeting, they're always like, when are you going to sell out, like, as a joke? And I'm like, I'm still here, bro. Like, you guys thought I'd be out of here a long time ago. Or, like, you know producing a bunch of records that didn't matter like i've every year i still got charting records with plaques and all that mm -hmm. you know you know it's crazy too because it's like for me watching your career you you produced a bunch of songs but you know it's crazy because it's like some of it with the ogs yeah and then some of it with the kids that's always how I've how, how have you been able to establish that how have you been able to balance not being saying only because you love 90s hip-hop right you could tell yeah boom bap but 
But I also introduced, you know, Joey, yeah, Action, Action, Freddie yep. Gibbs, yep. Chance the Rapper, never been on the radio in Talk his life. It, he came on. Like, I could go on, Mac Miller, I could go on and on and on about the people I broke through my radio show and through mixtapes and through all that. Even my albums, like, I had uh, Young M.A. and Dave East on my last album two years ago before they were on anything. They'd never been in a, on anything that's ever been in a store. Mm. And, you know, that list is very long. I could go on and on. But I pride myself in that because I want to catch it first. It's like... How? How How do you... And not giving the I sauce the away, ear, but I mean... And I'm not saying that's a brag. I'm just like, I when I hear something that stands out and, and holds the values that I have in hip-hop, I, I just... I go after it, man. So would you just like reach out to like Dave East and Young M.A. say I want to get A lot of times they reach out to me. So mm. it's like with Dave East, it was like, I think we connected on Twitter. That's happened a lot of times. Like I hooked up, not for nothing, like Lecrae will tell you, Lecrae was unheard of in the hip hop world, right? Mm. And I, I saw him on the, he had the number one album on iTunes and no one had ever heard of him. And me and my partner JFK was sitting there just looking at the computer like, who is this guy? I went on his Twitter he followed me, you know, thank God he followed me because he wouldn't have seen the message otherwise. I DM'd him. I'm like, yo, come up to the radio show. He's like, done deal. And the next thing you know, we got all these records. I put out a single with him that was one of the most top selling records on my album. He went on to get a Grammy yeah, and all yeah, this. Like, yeah. I got him in XXL, all that. I introduced him to like the hip hop world. And I always pride myself on that too because I always hated how he always got put in a box because he makes, you know, they call it Christian hip hop, yep, yep. but his music isn't over preachy. It's dope. He raps his ass off. He, he's he's a dope MC, super so. talented. Like I, you know, I always try to stay on top of that. That's a perfect example. The same thing I said with Dave East and like uh, uh, Action Bronson. He had I, I, I two hundred to... views on his video. I, same thing. I DM'd him. I'm like, it was in the middle of a snowstorm. I was like, come through. We're working on this EP live. He came through, spit his verse, showed up with no with no. Uh, pants on just shorts and a snowstorm like the snow is like two three feet high and he walks through the whole shit with like not sandals but he had like moccasins or some shit and shorts on and he knocked the verse out the next day he was on two dope boys it was his first time on the internet what was uh, your first impression of when, action yeah i was like you know this kid's different and then within within a couple of days i was like nah he's gonna be a star mm. and at the same time a lot of people I'm sure Action knows this, but there was some there was some cats in the industry that were like, "Yo, he sounds too much like Ghostface." Mm -hmm. Like I literally was on tour arguing with certain people, and they were like, "Yo, you're bugging working with him, like doing a whole album with him. You're bugging." And now I look at them like, "Hey, how you doing, buddy? What's going on?" <laughs> but uh, you still cool with I Action? Go to yeah, that's family, man. Like he's cool with my daughter. Like yeah, man, that's that's family, man. Always yeah. like me and Action might not even work together. He's on my new album, by the way. But we might not even work with each other. There was probably a year and a half where we didn't do anything, and we're right back to it. You know what I mean? It's like we'll never skip a beat. You know, I think that's the way friendship should be too. Absolutely. I think what happens is we put too much emotion in shit. People these days, like for instance, if I'm cool with Static, if I'm cool with you, and say we don't speak all the time, but as soon as we speak, yeah. we're, we're cool. We that, pick up where exactly we left off. There's nothing wrong with that. That's it. And th there's been some shadiness that went on in the industry that, like, kind of, I think, set me in action back a little bit to a, to an extent. Like, we did a shady record deal at one point. No pun intended. Not shady records, but yeah. just a whack deal. And it, like, rubbed both of us the wrong way. And then, um, you know, certain people have done weird shit. But it's like, at the end of the day, like I said, we see each other now. He's on the new album, all that, like... It is what it is. He knows what it is. That's my dude. But. To, to see his, his his journey has been amazing, too. Yeah. I mean, you think about it. 
how early you are with him. He went from cooking with Hennessy on my stove in yeah. Bushwick to having two, three TV shows. Yeah. And it's great. Even think about like, I think like we were the first, we brought him on 2010 on a Combat Jack show. Yeah. It's like the first time he's ever been on anything like that. I don't know if you remember that. Wait, I was there. Yeah, that's right. You were there. At, uh, at, at PNC Radio. Yeah, man, I was there. Do you remember I'm that? The, I'm in the interview with him. That's crazy, man. That's what I'm talking about, though. That's early, early, 2010, early. that was. Yeah. Is that crazy? Fuck, man. We put out the album right then. You know, listen, um, how many albums are you up to now? Solo albums, obviously, this is the eighth one. It's called Eight, but as far as, like, you know, I got an album with Saigon. I got an album with Freddie Gibbs with Freeway, with Action, with Strong Arm Steady. I got two with Term. I got a... Uh, Man, I got a lot, man. I got a uh, album of Freddie Fox. I got a bunch of albums, man. Like, I think it's like 26 or something, like full albums out. You know, in, in this world of hip-hop, you know, you become a DJ, you become a producer. You know, there's certain money involved in things that you do. You know, maybe in the beginning you were selling a beat for a small amount. Dude, I used to sell beats for pizza. I'd be okay. like, yo, if you buy me a pizza, I'll give you a beat. Really? That's how broke I was in like Now, not getting in your business, what do, you, what do some beats go for now? My beats? Yeah. She, if, no, it, if it's I mean on a major is, label, it's, it's a car. Okay. I mean, maybe a, a, a cheap new car, an expensive used car, but it's still a car. Okay. A Rolex, you know what I mean? But think about that. From a free pizza yeah. to that. Yeah, it's amazing. It's you know? amazing. But, you know, for the indie cats, I always try to keep it reasonable, but I have a scale on what I, how I do things, you know? Now, when you work with, like, say, a new artist, you don't yeah. even know, you don't even know uh, what he could be. You know, how do you, like, is that something like a, a, an IOU or, or, or we'll work it out later? See, or? I've seen it get funny with certain people. So now it's like I approach it different. I'll be like, if they're completely unheard of, I'll be like, yo, this is what we're going to do. You can't put the records out without, like, you know, me approving it or whatever. But I have some ideas for it. It's happened recently where I'm kind of sitting on a couple of things waiting to do the right thing with that particular song or project, but I'm always about finding new talent that sparks excitement. It's just about what to do with it. Cause I've got played by certain people that I wouldn't necessarily say played because I knew what was going on the whole time and I allowed it to happen. I don't want to say played, but I will say I did not take the right measures with certain people where I should have owned, not owned, but got a percentage of something. And I watched a lot of people get rich now. So it was like, you know, I'm not moving forward. If I found a new artist as early as someone like an action or someone like that, I'm definitely, it's going to be a production deal where I'm getting sure. peace no matter what. Sure. And the reason why I ask that for is because some people just don't know, right? right? Nothing against yeah, you. Absolutely. You know Meaning like how sometimes you learn this shit on the fly. Absolutely. You know, that's you why take I give, a gamble. With, it's all a gamble, man. This is hip hop music, bro. Mm. The fact that cats are making living off it is crazy because that was never even my intent ever in my life a living think about ever that. It never was i it, think anyone that gets into it for that doesn't usually last sure longevity right yeah. yeah if you weren't doing this what the fuck would you be doing would you think something with computers I've always been real into like technology and computers um I was supposed to be a baseball player, man. Really? Yeah, my, I got a disease in my arm. That's what really got me into DJing so heavy. What kind um, of disease? It's called Panner's disease. Basically, it's not an actual disease. That's the funny thing. They call it that because a lot of Panners back in like the gold rush, you know, all day they're sifting for uh, for gold. I was pitching and it just somehow my arm got like 
a piece of bone like went into the joint to where I can't straighten it. That's as straight as my arm goes. It's crazy. It's just like the my elbow is forever fucked. There's no I've had four surgeries. There's nothing they could do about it. Mm-hmm. So it's like the doctor was basically like, you're never playing baseball again. The Red Sox didn't want you. Hey, you never, I mean, I was young when it happened, but I was like focused. I got love for you, Static. I hate the fucking Red Sox. Uh, I hate your Celtics. I cool. hate all your That's fucking... Cool. I uh, hate the Yankees. I know. <laughs> hey, I think I saw I hate the Giants and the Yankees. I ain't got no beef with other... I mean, the Jets <laughs> are trash. The Mets, you know what? I respect the history. The Yankees, I respect the wins, but I fucking hate a lot of the players. Yeah, the old ones though. Not I don't even know who plays for them now. Like I always, I met Derek Jeter a couple uh, couple months ago, and I walked up to him and I was like, "Listen, I was wearing a Red Sox hat. I go, I fucking hate the Yankees, but I always respected you because he has class. Sure, sure. He's a classy player. I don't think anyone the Yankees would disrespect Big Poppy. He mm. got class. You know what I mean? Sure. But then there's pieces of shit like Johnny Damon, or you know. All these guys doing all kinds of other funky shit. Like I don't fuck with A Rod. Yeah, but um, it is what it is. You know. Have Have you ever DJed like any wedding or celebrity party like that? Yeah, um, I've done some crazy shit actually that I've never really talked about. I DJed for about fifteen minutes while D Wade walked in the hotel suite, signed his paperwork with Converse, and left. Wow. This is what two thousand two thousand four pretty sure it was a 30 million dollar deal he was mm. in the room for less than five minutes and they told me only play jay-z and most stuff that's what he wanted to hear classic so i dj'd that i dj'd uh i dj'd a, a party for paul pierce that um lebron was at. i put up a picture recently of that lebron lebron had just signed to the nba and it was like he he had to have been 18 years old i was probably 19 20 and uh I DJ that party. I met him real early. I DJed a lot of the Celtics parties back in the day and like some, uh, man, I'm trying to think. I've done a lot of shit in like Vegas for so I'm, mm, I'm trying mm. to remember. It's all a blur. Mm. Hey, listen, that was a lot of Hennessy that you had. Yeah, man. You know, uh, listen, you have been in the studio creating multiple, multiple, multiple amount of, uh, of songs. What has been like, I would say, I don't want to mention one, but one of the most memorable moments in the studio. Oh man, I mean, definitely working with uh, with Kanye on Hawaii, just being there and like, kind of being a fly on the wall, but also getting involved on a couple of joints that there was blurred lines of how much made it on the album. But I definitely wish I got a little credit, but that's a different story. Um, I was there for Dark Twisted Fantasy for like a couple of days, and that was that was definitely the most memorable studio session of my life ever. It's not even a, like, why is that? First of all. Prior to the session, I go to just breakfast at his house, and I'm straight out of Central Bookings. I miss my flight. I fly to Hawaii, and I'm like, I can finally sleep because I'm supposed to be DJing for Nas. That's why I'm there. I'm like, the show ain't till later. Sound check ain't till later. I'm going to sleep. And right as I'm about to lay down, consequences like, yo, you in Hawaii? I heard you out here. Come to uh, Ye's house for breakfast. So I'm like, I'm going to go over there. <laughs> I'm not going to sleep. Sure. So I walk in. And it's like, it's at the, a dead end, right? I don't know what house to pick. I'm like, you know what? I hear people from that one. So I walk in this driveway, walk around, and I walk, like I knock, and they're like, come on in. The door's like cracked open a little bit. It's straight out of them, like Chappelle skin or something. Classic. So I walk, I walk in the in the kitchen, and it's like at this like Adam's family table. It's Kanye, Amber, Pusha T, Q-Tip, Pete Rock, the RZA. Uh, Common, No ID, Stephen Victor, 
like this is crazy like i'm just like oh shit like it's really good consequence obviously i'm like it's really like going down out here like he's he's in the zone right now working on this album so i'm like i'm all excited so anyway later that day you know kanye's like come to the studio and i brought nas over there and you know just being there for a couple of days working on it you know even after nas left and all that i stayed and then i went back the next day and at the same time, Common was working with No ID upstairs, and that was cool, too, because I walked in the room like we were talking about hip-hop tattoos, and Common's like, oh, shit. He's like, I just noticed your tattoo, and I completely, like, I wasn't thinking about it the sure, whole time. That's crazy. No ID produced that song, too. So that was kind of a cool moment. And then um, just those sessions were crazy. You know how everybody, there's like those infamous pictures on the internet of the wall in the studio where yep. it's like, one of them was like, what would Mob Deep do? And then one would be like, no tweeting. And if you violated, they write the name under it. So it was like Big Sean written under no tweeting because I guess he did it. Like there was, it was just crazy being there for all that and like really taking it in because that ended up being, you know, one of the greatest sure, albums ever. Sure. I think it's one of, if not Kanye's best album, it's, it's up there. Super special. Yeah. You know, you speak about having uh, Nas, also Nas is yeah. Illmatic. You know, it's funny for the internet's uh, listening. I went to Sweet Chick. I visit there a bunch of times. Shouts to John. Shouts to Kyle. Yeah. Um, and I walk in. I see you, and and dap you up. I dap uh, John up. I forgot who else was sitting on there. Green Lantern comes over to me. He's like, "Yo, I'm a big fan. What's up, man? We never met. I was like, get the fuck out of here, man. I'm a big fan of you." So we start chopping. I look. I'm like, "Yo, is that fucking Nas over there?" And then this is how blind I am. I didn't even know Nicki Minaj came in that fucking joint. I was like, who the fuck is that? It's funny because I walked to the bathroom and I came back and like she must have sat down while I was in the bathroom. And I come back and I just look up. I'm like, hey, how you doing? And I was like, yo, peace. Y'all know each other. It was it was real cool, man. Shout out to, to Nicki and uh, Nas's fam, you know. Now, you obviously met Nas way before that. Obviously. Yeah, like yes. I said, I was DJing for him in Hawaii. We've, we've, uh, I did two mixtapes with him, like official mixtapes. Really? Yeah. When did he see that tat? You know what? I showed him... At Wireless in the UK, uh, it was probably the best wireless ever, too. Was, I was with Joey, Tribe Called Quest, Nas, and who else? Oh, Jay-Z and Justin Timberlake. This is all the same day, same stage. Like, this is quite a show. And I, I had, like, Nas was getting bothered by someone, and I walked up to him and, like, was like, yo, peep the new... T-. I, like, went to show him, and he got, like, distracted. I got, like, the worst reaction ever. And I don't think he, like, I don't even think he read it. Like, I think it was just something he got distracted from. And I was like, ah. And then, like, <laughs> later on, another time at Sweet Chick, I showed him. And he was like, yo. You know, he he thought it was dope. But I remember the first time I showed him, he was, it was like the lackluster response. You know, from you loving hip-hop so much, you know, you ever think about doing some outside things like he's doing? Because I think he's inspiring. Opening door. I mean, there's so many other I'm people. I'm in talks right now about opening a, a certain. Actually, John helped me with some advice nice. for it. John's like that's that's all family man. Shout out to Peter as well. Like that's all Kyle, the whole sweet yep, chick yep, crew. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, like I'm I'm working on something now because you know I'm very people always like associate me with Boston and New England and all that. That's my life. But I've been here for 14 years. I'm raising a daughter here. Like I've I'm pretty Brooklyn at this point as far as my lifestyle. You know what I mean? So like I'm the people I hang out with in the neighborhood where I live. Is like these people have been living there their whole life and their families as well. Like so, I'm so involved with some of these cats now that we're talking about opening, you know, respectable local businesses, not like some cats that move out of town, you know, from out of town and open this new business. Sure, sure. It's like if I do it, I'm going to open with cats from the neighborhood. You know what I mean? You you obviously grew up in Boston, or yeah. you know, but what made you move to New York City? The the glass ceiling, man, in Boston. It's like 
it got to the point where the the only other person I ever know to really do it is Clinton Sparks at one point moved to LA. But you know, he always had a house in Boston. It was like when I moved, it was like this is no turning back. Like I love it. I love so much about, you know, New England, from Vermont to the seafood of Maine to New Hampshire to Massachusetts, the sports. I love all of it. But I'm just in that zone now where I'm just like this is it, man. Like now, it's like I have a family here, so I can't. It's sure. not even. A, it's not even a thought to ever move back there. But think about it. It's interesting to understand this. Many people are in that situation right now. Not right. only Boston, right. in a place where they feel like they're in a ceiling. It's not easy to just pick up and fucking leave. Do you remember very, the process? You know, Do you remember? And like, I had a like a booming business. We were doing all G units, Northeast Marketing. We were doing Atlantic Records, Def Jam, uh, you know, Reebok. All these companies, like I had monthly retainers with them, and I, a lot of people thought I was bugging moving. Mm. And I had people, and I was on the radio pretty much six days a week because basically in Boston, I was filling in for Chubby Chubb when he was on tour with yep. Khalees. And Khalees got off tour, and Chubb came back, and it was like, all right, bro, I'm gonna have you like filling on the weekends, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, never in my life have I ever regressed career wise. So at that point, I was like, I'm not gonna just sit here. And like, wait to be called back to the radio. Like, I love being on the radio. I love doing this. I've DJed every club in the city. This is 2003 at this point. I had just opened a record store called Crates, and I was like, I'm out. Like, mm. I just decided it was like a one week decision. It wasn't even What'd like, you get, oh, I'm apartment? Or had you, you even, would you just. My, one of my best friends from when I was growing up, Doug, had, he was going to Manhattan College in the Bronx. And uh, he was like, yo, you know, I got a dope neighborhood. It's real, it's, you know, Riverdale, anyone that knows Riverdale in New York City is one sure. of the nicest neighborhoods. And I was just like, yeah, it's cool. But when I got there, it was so quiet. I was getting the cops called on me for music and all that. Like, I, I lived there for, I think, three years. But I, I was quick to move to Brooklyn because it was just a whole different vibe. And I love the Bronx, but Riverdale, a lot of people say Riverdale ain't even the Bronx because it's like not what sure. you think of Fordham and mm -hmm. the South Bronx and all that. It's just a different vibe. I moved to Bushwick and that was like, when Bushwick was really on the come up and all that, it was still grimy as hell. This is 2007 when I moved to Bushwick. And uh, so it's been 10 years. And I watched that that neighborhood completely change in so many ways. And I have a lot of family and friends from there too. Like, you know, Tony Touch is literally family with me now. That's my daughter's uncle. Nice. And, um, uh, you know, Destroy, who's a good friend of mine, they, they're all from that neighborhood. So when I moved there, it's like, you know, I still felt like I was connected a little bit. You know, another way of um, getting connected with the youth is Joey Badass. Yeah, that, see, that's years later. When's the first time you ever met Joey? 2000, uh, I want to say 2012, the beginning, like right, maybe late 2011. It was right after Action had come out and like starting to bubble. Mac Miller had just blown up and all these people were coming through my house on the reg recording. Like Mac was always coming through. The, I was the first person to ever like do anything with Mac in New York. He came well, to my radio show. How did that show. even happen? I'll tell you how that happened. Wiz Khalifa told Artie from uh, Rostrum Records, mm -hmm. he's like, I want beats. And Artie's, one of Artie's artists shot to Boaz. Boaz was coming through with the brown paper bag. Boaz from Pittsburgh, Yeah, right? he's he's on Rostrum as yeah. well. Shout out to Bo. He's dope, man. He's always been underrated. He, um, he came through with a brown paper bag for a beat, right? And Artie was kind of like, yo, Wiz wants a beat too. And I was like, well, you know the deal. He was kind of looking at me like, well, Wiz is on Atlantic, bro. You, no, he was on Warner at the time. He wasn't on Atlantic. And he was like, he kind of looked at me crazy like, bro, you should be working with Wiz. He's going to blow up. And I was like, eh, I wasn't feeling that. The Say Yes record was cool. I wasn't, you know, mad at it. I was playing on the radio. I was syndicated at that time. 
And uh, I was on like 10 stations a week playing that. But I still wasn't crazy about it to the point where I was just going to give them some free beats or whatever. And, you know, to this day, I don't really just give out free beats. It's cool if you do a trade or something. But anyway, um, I fronted on Wiz. And guess what? Wiz got dropped by Warner. I was like, I told you. I didn't say it like I told you maliciously. I was like, I, I knew that record wasn't going to pop. He puts out Cush and Orange Juice mixtape. I'm like, wait a second. I like this. Like, he had, especially the song Mesmerize. I was like, damn, I kind of, you know what? I want to work with Wiz. <laughs> so I reached out to Artie and he's like, yo, he's busy right now. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? You got that one. And then all of a sudden I hear this kid, Mac Miller, the, the pizza and uh, Kool-Aid and frozen pizza. Yep. I hear that and I'm like, I could already see, I, like I just knew he was different and he was going to be something big. So I reached out to Artie like, yo, I learned my lesson with Wiz. Let's do this the right way. I want Mac to come up here before anyone else gets him. He had never been in New York City in his life. He came up to my show, destroyed it, came up like couple, literally three days later, came to the crib in Bushwick, knocked out like probably five records that day. And, you know, he kept coming up consistently for a long time. And I just watched him take off, man. I'm really proud of that kid. And uh, like I said a little bit after that, th this is the same time I'm trying to break action. In, and action was like just behind him. Like it took action a little bit longer, but he was like coming around. Like we were doing the live EP with Freeway in my house with XXL where we did six songs in six hours. And like I remember Mac, like Freeway didn't know who Mac was. I was like, yo, trust me. It was the same day. This is actually funny now. It was the same day we filmed the Donald Trump video by Mac Miller, which mm. ironically, think about this. Our president was beefing with Mac Miller a couple of years ago, and now he's president. That's, That's fucking insane. Think about like a reality it, yeah. star was talking shit about Mac Miller five years ago, six years ago, and he's the president now. Moving on, uh, we did that live EP with Freeway the same day that Mac was shooting the um, Donald Trump video. So Matt came through because I ran over there, got my cameo, and that video got like 150 million views. I'm all up in it, <laughs> which is, you know, I hate the title of it. But uh, anyway, so that day he came through and uh, Freeway was like, yo, you know what? If I'm going to listen to you, I'm going to put him on it. So then Action shows up a little later. I'm like, yo, this kid, Action Bronson, and Freeway is like, listen, dude, I put your other man on it. You know, I don't, I'm not putting a bunch of people I don't know on my on my EP. And I'm like, I felt him. And action kind of <laughs> got fronted on. He felt a certain way. He said that later. But, uh, you know, nevertheless, he was there. He was in the mix. And then shortly after that, I remember Freeway reaching out like, yo, my favorite rappers. He wanted to work with action now. It's funny how things change. Shout out to Free, man. He's one of the most hip-hop dudes. You know, I spoke to Free today. It's funny, uh, you know, we're talking about health and how important it is. And, uh, you know, how we need to, you know, in hip-hop, too, you know, think about it. You know, we try to look fresh. Yeah. But that's on the outside. Most people don't ever try to push being healthy. Nobody's out here talking about, yo, get yourself a colonoscopy. Nobody's yeah. ever talking about, like, plant-based foods. I mean, now you're starting to hear more it's stuff. It's starting to get real popular now. But, yeah, and, and it should be. Because, yeah. you know, you think about it, even like, you know, and not to jump off, I, I want to I stay on what we were speaking about, but you think about, like, Sean Price. Yeah. You know, you think about, you know... Sean Price had a lot of different things that he could have probably went out, like sleep, sleep there's acne. No, nah, there's you know? a lot that Sean could have done different. Yeah. There's a lot. But. It's health-wise. But even, you know what? One thing about Sean Price that I always love that you were able to do. So I don't know if you remember this, but Sean, Sean, uh, Sean was like, um, when he knew me and Bum were cool, he was like, yo, I, I, I fuck with Bum. But Sean was such a broken dude. He was like kind of like, yo, I fuck with the dude, but you know, I don't know, maybe give him my number, but if, you don't want to fuck him then. 
And I said, like, yo, P, I, yeah. I'll reach out to him. You know, so I hit Bun. I, I don't think people understand how much Sean did not give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. like I'd be like, I'd say a list name. I'd be like, yo, I'm gonna put this one on the song with you. He'd be like, hell no, that, that motherfucker is whack. I'd be like, all right, my bad. Like, and this would be someone that would be a huge look for Sean, like career wise. Sean would rather do a song with like one of the homies from around the way, just because sure. he fucks with him. He doesn't fuck with the other dude. Like, he never cared about any of that. Sure. And you got to respect that. Sean P could have been way bigger than he ever wanted Hell to be. Hell yeah. If he wanted to sell out. Hell but, yeah. But, he, but finishing telling that story, so I, I get him and Bun on a three-way call, and uh, they start talking, and then they you know they, they take each other's numbers. You know, I put them in a group text after that. I already that. know where this ends up. Yeah, and, and, and I, you know, I want them to, I know he wanted to work with him so bad, and, and I wasn't, you know... I put them together, and I was like, "Yo, this is this may not happen." And and then you come along, and fucking put Styles P, yep. Sean P, and Bum B together on a song, and you know, and, and 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 sadly, rest in peace. But you know, we lost Sean. But like, I don't know. That was a special moment, man. Like, I feel like for me to put them together, for you to get those two guys together on a song, it meant more than people could know. You know, yeah, because they both admired each other. You know, I don't want to talk about uh, too much personal stuff, but something that always kind of hit me a certain way is I got off a flight from Europe and uh, Sean Price had called me like a hundred times while I was at like uh, customs. And I'm like, yo, why is he calling me so much? And I get outside, you know, you're not, you're not allowed to use phone. For people that don't go international, you can't just pick up your phone when you're going through customs. And this is before I had, like, global entry and all that. So I'm sitting in line for a while, you're not, whatever, you're not supposed to be on the phone. So I was like, I text him, I was like, I'll call you back. So I leave, I walk outside, and I answer the phone. He's like, tell me it ain't true, tell me it ain't true. And I'm like, what's up? And he's like, yo, that's true about Styles P's daughter? And he was in tears. Mm. And I, I found out right then about what happened, you know. Much love the styles. That's family. Sure, Shout sure. out to his Most wife. That that was a tough thing. And um, when Sean P passed, Styles was one of the first people calling me about that. And it was like, it's just crazy, man. Like how the two those calls happened so shortly. Sean passed a couple months later, sure. and it's just like pfft. the hip hop thing is like such a more powerful thing than beats and rhymes, man. Like the relationships of people that, that you know. These people would never meet in their life, sure. most likely. You know what I mean? Especially someone like me coming from 300 miles away. But the fact that I'm cool with people like Freeway and Bun B and Styles and Sean P, these are all people that the, the odds in the millions that they would never meet ever. Sure. And it's like, and that you admired growing up. On a family level. You know what I mean? Like, me and Sean went through so much where, like, he was like coaching me when my daughter was born how the fuck to walk away sure. from fights and all this shit. Like, and it's just crazy when I put it all together. It all comes like 360, man. It's like it's the, the energy in the circle is crazy. You know, and, and it's crazy too because it's like when I think about how much Sean, all he cared about was just like being real and yeah. fucking with people, you know, just fucking with people that he fuck with. You know what I mean? Like, man, I used to stay, I used to call the crib. He, motherfucker had the worst cell phone. He had the boost mode. Uh, I don't even, I never even had his, I have like a hundred Boost mobile numbers on him, and I never called any of them. I yeah. always, to this day, I call their crib. Like, if yeah. I got to talk to Bernadette, yeah. I don't call her cell phone. I know it exists. I just call the crib, and I get, you know, little Sean will be like, "What?" Yeah, like, and, and that make that melts my heart really because I'm used to the old Bernadette used to answer the phone. Sure. Like, what the fuck do you want? Yeah. And you know, it's just 
the f- man. Man, rest in peace, Sean P. Man, most definitely, man. I mean, like I said, you know, I, I don't want to make this. I mean, some of my conversations become personal, but that's because pe- people yeah. are heartfelt people. You know what is? is there's different kinds of uh, legends, man. And Sean Price is without a question a legend on the microphone, but he was a legend as a person, man. And like at the end of the day, when I look back at my life uh, experiences dealing with a Sean Price or someone like like. I'm, I don't even think about his music ever. Like, I love his music. I play it. But, like, the memories, man, like, that guy really helped shape a lot of, um, like, not for nothing, I'm signing Duck Down to this day because of Sean Price. That's like, right. That's right. Well, you know what? You know what? Let's take a quick break. Uh, and we're going to go We're gonna go back to Duck Down, and I want to talk about Joey Badass because cool. we, we, we were, yeah, start, we got into we were it, starting yeah. to get there. Internet's listening. Sitting down with the one and only Static Selector. Boston's own. But now New York, New York, New York bred. East Coast owned. East, Northeast. East. There you go. Be right back. Don't go nowhere. Cheer. Yo, one, two, one, two. This is DJ Muggs live from LA via Queens, New York. You know what I'm saying? Live on the Premium Pete Show, one, two. Internet, we already told you that this episode is sponsored by the good folks at Bevel. Listen, you want to get your loved one something special? Get them a Bevel. Their shaver, their razor is the leader in products in the grooming industry. Man, let me tell you something. Barbers all over the world are using Bevel. It's lighter. It, it, the battery lasts longer and shape up or fades. Listen, I'm, attention all barbers out there. Bevel products are amazing. That shaver will, will get a super swaggy lineup. You want a discount on that? You want to get your loved one a Bevel product? Get Bevel.com forward slash Pete. Save yourself some money and get someone a Bevel product today for the holiday season. Happy holidays, Internet. Now let's get back to the show. Cheers. Internet and we're back. Sitting here with Static Selector. Yeah. Listen, we we were going into Joey. Yeah. Pause, pause, pause. Um, <laughs> talking about when the first time you met him. Yeah. Right. What did you even think about the kid first time you seen him? Well, the the first time before anything, Johnny Shipe sent me an email and was like, "I got this kid Joey badass that I want you to work with." And I was like, off the rip, I was like, "What's that? A punk band?" Like I didn't understand. The name caught me off guard at first. And he sent me the uh, survival tactics video about a month later. And I saw it and I was like, you know what? These kids are, it was him and Steve's, rest in peace, Steve's. And I saw him and I was like, these kids are dope, but I know that beat, you know, it's, you know, it's a record from the nineties. They were just rapping on, there was no hook. Sure. And I was like, it's cool. Like, I like it. I'm happy that these kids are trying to keep that sound going. But I was like, I want to hear some records. And a little bit later, I saw the video for Hard Knock with uh joey and cj and that was an original song and i was like you know what bro i was like yeah i'm i'm, I'm all about it so they hit me up and they were like joey needs scratches for his mixtape you know he wants to come through the studio can you do it i'm like yeah come through so he comes through he definitely like knew who i was but i don't think he understood like what i produced and my beats and all that because he came through like you know do the cuts and then he was like all right we, we about to be out and i'm like wait what I was like, dog, I ain't even play you no tracks or nothing. The first beat I played him was uh, ended up being Don't Front, which is on 1999. Mm-hmm. And him and CJ are there. And they were just like, put the mic on. Like they, The second they heard it, they were like, oh, we like this. Like, put the mic on. And they both spit their verses real quick. And I did a quick mix. There was already scratching on the song, actually. Oh, no, no. He uh, There was one scratch on the intro, but he said on the hook, Don't Front, Don't Front. So I scratched the, you know, Don't Front. And, um... Gave it to him, and, you know, they picked a couple of the beats and left. And that was that. And the next week, the mixtape came out, and it was on there. Like, we didn't even mix it or master it. They just liked my mix, because I usually mix as I go. And they put it on the mixtape, and, you know, boom. 
I watched Joey just like all of a sudden it's everywhere. And uh, like a, I think a week later I was on tour in uh, Europe with Term and we did Splash Festival and Action was supposed to go on right after us and Action like couldn't do it for some reason. He like basically canceled the gig and Joey had happened to be on his first run in Europe and they were like, they put Joey in replace of Action and this is early. His mixtape had just came out but he was already popping. So he ended up going on like right next to us at the show and you know we kicked it and all that and then you know the we were just kicking it and i was telling him about things that i had dealt with with action and mac miller and all this like talking about the recent cats that have been coming through the studio and all that and uh you know he ended up coming back through when we got back to the states and we did you know steez was with him and we did like water we did uh interlude 47 um we did a bunch of joints in one day that they all made the uh, the Pro Era mixtape. Now, you know, he's been touring like crazy for years. Yeah. You know, your deal with him, like, you know, is that like is a handshake deal? Like, how did nah, you become no deal. I, mean, I was I, I DJed DJ? 90% of those gigs. Okay. Like, I was on with How'd that happen? Basically, Shipes brought me into one of the first only, well, one of the only complaints I've ever heard about Joey ever is when he first started doing shows, people were complaining that he was rapping over the vocals. And for an MC like him, you know, it's one thing if you go see one of these auto, auto-tune rappers and you don't want to really hear them try to sing, you know what I mean? But when it comes to like a real rapper, like you don't want to hear Nas over his lyrics, you want to hear Nas rap. Same thing with Jay, same thing with whoever. So with Joey, I was like, yo, Johnny, I was like, let me tell you right now that he needs to stop rapping over the lyrics. And like, I had heard that cause I was in Europe, like I said on that run and some of the promoters we were seeing were being like, yo, Joey's dope, but he was rapping over the lyrics. This is early, early, early. You know what I mean? 2012. So I was like, yo, bring me in. I'm a DJ for him. Put together a real show with scratches and all this shit. Like, and we basically, the first tour that we did, uh, we did together was, um, the beast coast tour and, it was uh, March 2013. It started at South by Southwest, and we did like 40 dates or something. And after that, up until this year, like I literally did every tour except uh, I didn't do the Schoolboy Q tour. And this year, I did the um, the tour with Logic. I did the first 11 days, and I went home for my daughter's birthday and just stayed back to work on the album. But besides that, I've done every other Joey show ever. So, mm-hmm. like, I've seen the whole transformation. And, you know, I went on to... Before the money, the first actual album, that was all like mixed and mastered in my daughter's room. And we actually mastered, mastered it here in the studio, the engine room. But as far as all the mixing and like re- like the initial master and all that was all done in, in my daughter's room now, which is now, you know, it's her room now. It's not a studio anymore. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of history went down in that room. And um, this is after my Bushwick apartment. This is when I moved to Williamsburg. And the only things we did in that album, in that room is I did the, the, the first beat I made in that room was Eminem, Detroit vs. Everybody. Then we did. Wait, wait! You can't, you can't just run over that. How, how did that even? How does that fall on your lap? I don't want to leave the Joey's. Thing, okay, okay, but, okay, okay. Let's continue, Joey. We'll get right. back to M. So anyway, Joey's album before the money was number one on the rap chart. Did like sixty something thousand first week. This is all out of my basement, like in my crib, bro. I was very proud of that. It's my first number one. Um, and you know, during this time, you got to realize too, we dealt with the loss of Capital Steez, which really 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 affected the whole pro everything and changed the you know the the way it was going sure. and then right before joey's album was finished his cousin junior who was his he was all of our road manager and um you know his really his day-to-day manager and one of his best friends he lived with joey and everything passed away in a car accident like right before the album was completed like that album almost didn't come out 
anywhere close to that time. But you know, he he Joey wanted to keep going just for Junior's like priority in life was Joey making it to the level he wanted to get at. And Junior, I think Junior took it more serious than anyone. So like you know, that that dude will always be part of um, Joey's story because he a lot of L's, man. How did how, throughout that time you were right there? How did they? I mean, I know you said that because of what he wanted, but the atmosphere had to be tough. It had to be like, like when you go through that shit. How did they create? How did they continue to go out on tour? Like, was it hard or? I mean, we were on tour when he passed, and we yeah. we had to like basically. I don't want to get too detailed into it, but there was a area of time where like they were like yo he's gonna be okay so joey you know everybody was like junior would want you to keep going and a couple he got you know he i think he got pneumonia or something a couple of days later and passed and that was like you know we we canceled the rest of the tour came back home and i think the album was like just turned in when that happened so it was like it was just a really crazy time man and um, Junior, I remember the last night, man. We were we were in London the night before he went back home, and the, you know what, what happened happened. And he was just so happy that we had we had sold Joey had sold out the O2, and um, I forget what part of London that is. Uh, anyway, it's one of the biggest venues in London, and we like he was just so proud of the whole situation, man. And you know his spirit definitely stays with. with with all of us it's great to see that uh, you've been able to form a relationship with them yeah watch his journey but also too you know you it, don't see everyone it becomes stated. family though like yeah. you know what I mean like to the point where like his mother my mother everybody is very it's it's a family unit even if we're away from each other like right now he's in he's on tour in Europe when he gets back like it's always the same with us man sure. through, through all of as know. it should be you guys created greatness together you know you, you said before you keep your ear to the street right Okay, you worked with artists such as like you know uh, your old Droog, a couple other people. Who are some people that you think are on the rise right now? Um, I mean, I'm real proud of Westside Gun and Conway because that's another group I can add to the like they had never been on Shade Forty Five. I've never been on the radio. I brought on the Shade Forty Five. You know, shout to Al Lindstrom. I got he gave me the alley oop on that one because he he kind of like put me onto them as far as um big Al. Yeah, shout to Al. But, you know, the second they came up, it was like, I'm not even going to lie. I didn't even know who Conway was when Westside Gun came to my show because I had just been up on Gun, really. Like, I just got up on him, and he was like, all right, now my brother's going to rap. And I was like, okay. And Conway just destroyed it. And I was like, I went from being like, who is this, to being like, yo, let's get in the lab tomorrow. <laughs> and now it's like it's been a family thing since. You know, Prodigy was a big part of that too, man. Like, yeah. he got involved with them real early and. I was, I DJed uh, last Halloween in Buffalo. It was my first time in Buffalo. Westside Gunner Conway had just like really started to bubble. And they didn't even tell me. You know, it's Halloween. I come out in a Jason mask. Prodigy comes out in a black mask. I didn't even know Prodigy was in anywhere near Buffalo. They had flown him up. And he comes out and he's like, drop, you know, play my shit. And I was like, that shit blew me away. And I'm behind the turntables playing the songs for him. So it was like, Things like that, it, they just they're doing the right thing. Like this, we recently did a Halloween again in Buffalo, and I'm I'm at the airport about to go up. So I'm at the airport about to go up, and uh, Lloyd Banks walks up, you know, about to get on the flight with us. I'm like, let me guess, they're bringing you out in Buffalo. He's like, yeah, and it's cool. They also brought out Freeway as well. Like they they go out of their way to 
to make things special, especially for their hometown. Yeah. And I'm just proud of those guys. You know, them signing a shady, it just makes I, I love what they're doing. I've seen Westside Gun at um, Complex Con, man. I mean, I've I seen him at A3. Bro, I, he's fuck everywhere, with yeah. Yeah, I fuck with the dude, man. He, and he's funny, too, because he knows me from kicks and shit. And he's like, you know, I'm just trying to stay fresh out of here, <laughs> mad bags. But I love what he's doing. I definitely support what he's doing. What about Earth Gang? Uh, they're real dope, man. They've been on my show a couple of times and I'm proud of them too. Like, you know, signing with Cole and we actually were supposed to be in the studio a couple of days ago. Shout out to them. They're real, like really unique. They remind me of like a down South hieroglyphics. Mm. Um, going back to West Side going to call real quick. I don't know if you saw the video for, uh, number eight. It just dropped, but it's, um, the beginning of the video right before Conway starts rapping. There's a, there's a shooting in the video that actually happened while we were shooting the video. Are you serious? Like we were in Buffalo shooting. The, like we, part of the re I flew term up and, um, my man, Nige and my man, Sabino, we all went to do the video in Buffalo and we didn't even get to get Conway there. Cause when, as soon as we started shooting the video, they shot up the parking lot and like, there was some kind of issue. We were at the strip club. We went outside to shoot the video, and that shit happened. So when you see that in the video, the, the audio is not edited. Nothing is edited. We just threw that in there like, yo, just just to show you like how real it is in that situation. But, you know, we ended up shooting West Side's part after, but we had to get Conway to come back to New York to shoot his part. So that was like, you know, I just part of the out. fuckery. Yeah, you got to see that. Because, you know, people have music videos with guns and all that. I don't promote none of that. It really happened in, yeah, the, in the video, yeah. so it was like you know what to not put that is like it's a it's a talk piece because you know it's my that was my second time in Buffalo. It's crazy up there. Mm, yeah, mm, mm. the mozzarella, the Buffalo mozzarella. Um, you know, listen, you put together a bunch of albums, bunch of mixtapes, bunch of albums. Right. How hard is it to get artists on on, on these albums? Because so, I know, look, at the end of the day, you're a creator. Yeah. But this shit sometimes is tough to put everybody like... That's why I said my last album was my last, man. I was like so exhausted. You're talking about Seven? Yeah, Lucky Seven. I was like, that's it. And a lot of the fans got mad. And, you know, I think Khaled... Khaled's the number one reason I, I kept going. Because he he always... Like, he started putting out albums right around the same time I started putting out albums in like 2006, 2007. And he was like the the more pop not i don't want to say pop but the more mainstream version of what i was doing like i would put out an album featuring you know cassidy and freeway and styles p and all these guys and he would put out an album with you know drake and Nicki minaj and all that and rick ross and that was cool like i was always compared to him because nobody else is really doing what we do like sure. on any level sure. you know what i mean putting out albums like consistently sure. albums almost every year sure so anyway, when I said Lucky Seven was my last album, and then Khaled started blowing up with the the Snapchat thing, and I'm just like so proud of this. You know, he's my friend too. Shout out, sure. like, that's family. And watching him blow up, and then seeing his son born. You know, his son was born probably a year after my daughter, but just that whole energy and how he he was just so starting a new energy with it, right? And then I, like about a year ago, I was like, you know what, I should do another album. Like, it was just a conversation between me, a couple friends, you know, Term, Joey. Joey's like, dude, do it. What are you What are you talking about? I don't know why you said you weren't going to anyway. And I was like, what do I call it? And which I was, I'll forget it. Like, it was, never forget it. It was like yesterday. He's sitting right next to me on the bus. He just points at my tattoo on my hand. He's like, eight, because I got an eight ball on my hand. I play a lot of pool. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's a lot of reasons I got an eight ball on my hand. But <laughs> and literally, I play pool almost every night. I love playing and pool. And once in a while, though. Nah, nah okay, not in a long time. I'm not going to act like I never did it, but not in a while. Uh, that's not why I got the tattoo, though. But because the eight ball represents a lot to me. It's like, 
it's like a the finish line. It's all like that's the final thing in the sure, game. You know what sure. I mean? It's also, um, you know, I love the the game of pool and the hustle. There's a hustle behind it, and it's like that that New York attitude. Like the like every every time I play pool, I play for money. Sure. Be, you know, if the person, if anyone in the room is down to play, which usually, especially in this city, you'll find someone that's down, and I just love it. You know what I mean? You like, gotta play Scarface. Let's go. He's let's pretty go. good. Listen, me and Lord Finesse played like twelve games in a row one night. That was funny. He's good. I won like the first five or six, and I was drinking during the whole thing. And by the sixth game, I was finished, and he won the rest of them. We we gotta have a rematch. Shout out to Lord Finesse. You know, you you obviously put out how many albums you're on now? Number eight. This, okay. Well, this is my eighth like and then compilation style. Yeah, and then you got mixtapes. Yeah, but on this album, it was like. You know the energy of my daughter's all over. She's talking all over the album, and like she does the intro, and it's like I had fun with it. You know what I mean? Like it's a very here and now album as far as like who's been around. I'm not. I'm, everybody on the album is like people I've been working with recently. There's no one I went to chase. Like people were surprised to see G Easy on it. You got to realize. I see G Easy at Coachella. We're like, yo, we gotta do something. I see G Easy at at uh, Tyler's festival in L.A. Yo, we gotta do something. Like these guys, you know, a lot of them have been listening to my radio show or whatever for years sure, and sure. know what I do. So sure. it's funny when people will be like, yo, how'd you connect with Two Chains? I'm like, what do you mean? Two Chains is a hip hop head. From the day I met him, probably six years ago, he's always been like, yo, salute. Like I listen to your shit. So you know, me and Two Chains connected, and we did a whole fucking project, and yeah. I'm just patiently waiting for that to come but he told me it's the next one so we're gonna get that before anything from two chains it, it uh it's very special I'm, static two chains project it's the most exciting thing in hip-hop to me even if i wasn't part of it because tell me two chains ain't just a fun rapper bro yeah and on this one he's rapping like like it's like reasonable doubt meets uh you know meets equemini mm. it's like so hip-hop and like i didn't go out of my lane i kept it i got creative with it but i didn't like step outside and try to make a trap beat or nothing like that you know we have a couple songs on now like smoke break people went crazy yep. when they heard that that's why we did the project but you know q-tip's been um i don't want to give away too much but q-tip's definitely been like putting in feedback on the album and you know tip is my big brother like he's another guy i've been around the world with i left we haven't even talked about that too there's so much man i traveled with tip around the world for years man i dj'd the whole renaissance tour i did some of the rock the bells with him like that's my big bro on a, on a whole nother level i tra i toured with tribe um you know that's a whole man you got a lot of shit man that's like touring with the rolling stones bro like for real tribe called quest i think people you know people know and they're not overlooked at all but it's like i don't think hip-hop is in such a social media age where people don't really understand how big some of this shit is mm. man like how, well, how big Wu-Tang Clan people is because yeah. you know what like someone might do something solo in Wu-Tang it'll come out or like Rizzo might make a Wu-Tang album that's not a Wu-Tang Clan album and it don't get the same treatment but you understand these guys are fucking rock stars bro like mm. Tribe Called Quest Wu-Tang Clan De La Soul um, like these dudes are rock stars bro and i think we forget that because everything's flavor of the month now and whatever's getting the most likes or retweets is like big but look at tribe they came out last year and that shit's gold the shit was number one in the country like that's amazing for someone to drop an album and what what their first time was what 90 91 and 
30 years, you know, almost 30 years later, it's number one again. Insane, insane. That's rock star shit, bro. I'm, I mean... <laughs> we got to celebrate that more, yes. though. Because everybody's so quick to be like, yo, so-and-so's trash. This shit's whack. Like, let's promote good shit, man. Yeah, I speak about it all the time. In, in hip-hop, people try to say, oh, they're old or not relevant anymore. You know, but uh, I think that when you create great stuff, it'll last longevity. I mean, this should you. never be slander on... Any anything on that level, man, from Nas to Biggie to Eminem, not for nothing. I'm happy. See, I'm happy he's going this way now. On the way here, I saw this Instagram post, and I don't care about any nerds getting upset. I will body anyone on this fucking argument. <laughs> Your old Droog, I know Droog is like a you know he's like a funny guy. He likes to put up shit and cause like certain conversations. He puts up a picture of Biggie on a wall next to a picture of MF Doom on a wall, right? And he goes, who's better? Or, you know what? Hold on. I got to say exactly what he wrote because no I don't want to misquote him. Yo, this, this shit got me hot, bro. Because you know what? I like um, MF Doom. I know what he's done for hip hop. Like, he, he, dude's dope. He's one of the most creative dude. Like, I fuck with, with MF Doom. You know what I mean? He, this is what he wrote. He put, who's the best of these two? That's what he wrote. And like 90% of his fucking replies are MF Doom. What? Now check this out. I, I wrote this isn't even this shouldn't even be debatable. And like a bunch of kids came at me in the comments. First of all, I'm not arguing with you comment dudes. Second of all, Biggie Smalls has influenced more rap more important people in this planet than arguably any other rapper. Like he's in the Tupac Rock Him conversation. Like even the rappers that came out after Biggie were influenced by Biggie. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they came out before Biggie were influenced by Biggie after. Like, you're going to tell me, I mean, Nas raps about how Big changed his life. Jay-Z, uh, what are we even talking about, bro? Like, someone like Drake or Kendrick or any of these guys will tell you Biggie's importance to hip-hop. Like, and I'm not dissing MF Doom. That's cool. That's like comparing, like, like I love Jay Dilla. He means so much to hip-hop. But don't compare Jay Dilla to Dr. Dre, bro. Like, mm. it's just two different, it's just two different it's oranges and apples man like don't do that and it's like these kids now can do these debates online and win and be popular because of like yeah but 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 they won't listen longevity look you're still here because you know why because you create great stuff my point being is that like you don't talk bad about the bigs the Nas's, the j's the m's because no matter what they do now they did what they did for this culture that so many of us have a living off and it made it this worldwide phenomenon. Sure. That's really like I know you can have the argument about MF2 and be like, oh, he, you know, he got fans all over Europe and all that. That's cool. Biggie Smalls has generated revenue for thousands of people through his work. Like th those people will never understand that. Acknowledge it. And the same thing with M. Like, I don't care what M does. That's M, bro. Like, that's Eminem. Whatever J does, that's Jay-Z. These are names that should be looked at like Chuck Berry, man. Like, in rock and roll or like the Rolling Stones or the Beatles or whoever. It's like, you don't disrespect that. And that's what the problem, man. Bottom, bottom line, they just, people need to appreciate the contributions that were contributed. You know? And, and I understand, like, it was easier for me coming up in 92. To listening to rap and learning everything about it because I only had what 15 years of homework to do like there wasn't rap records coming out really before 82 so that's 10 years of shit I had to learn these kids now gotta learn 30 something years of rap bro Not I understand easy. that 
It's not that easy. I don't expect an 18-year-old to know, you know, all the Rockets releases. But if you're really passionate about this shit and you want to make it a, a, a career that's going to feed your family and their family, you got to learn the culture. That's my only thing. I don't want to sound like the old guy, but it gets to the point where it's disrespectful so, the way some of these kids No, no, talk. listen. You're speaking the truth. You know, um, as we wind this episode down, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to touch on a couple more things. One being dream collapse, man. The what? Dream collapse, man. Who? who oh, I mean, all that's left is <laughs> nothing. I've worked with everybody I ever wanted to work with besides. Even artists? Yeah. Even There's nobody that right now. Jay-Z. That, I mean, I signed to him, but I got to uh, I got to do a record. Why'd you sign to Rock Nation for? First of all, my name came up up there first, and I was told that. And I was really always, you know, not for nothing, like not to sell myself short. I always shoot for the stars, but I didn't even think that would even be a thing right now. It wasn't even on my radar. I was still so stuck in like a certain, um, I was just so hands on with my career that I was like, I don't even need something like that. And then I had the conversation, shout out to Christy up there. She brought me in for a couple meetings and the way things aligned between me working with J. Cole on Joey's album and the locks and all this stuff just coming together at the time it was all just making complete sense and like they were so you know welcoming up there and they it, there's a lot of excitement when i go up there and play my music and that shit really made me feel a certain way like this is the right place and they're the come on man that's this is the major leagues bro sure sure and 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 to be honest with you you i feel like you always found the way to reinvent yourself yeah. while you're still living absolutely like, while you're still doing some of the I've same done it things. many times man and 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 so you can't do it by yourself, man. Absolutely, and they, you know they get the business correct, sure. man. It's like everything's all by the books. You know what I mean? It's like, bro, if I have someone to take care of the business or take care of things like that, I'd rather give up a little to get more. Yeah, I've been uh, doing this shit dolo for a long time, yeah. man. Stressful, no? Yeah, but I at the same time I know where things are going. Mm. Now it's like you know I got all kind of different accountants and you know management and all this. It's, it's great. No, it's dope. You're about to open. I gotta up. catch myself sometimes, like doing things I'm not supposed to do, because I'm so used to hands-on shit. You got the eight album out. Yeah, man. You got you're on you're on tour. Yeah, you got, always, always. Supposedly, maybe a two chains. Uh, uh, no, not supposed. Like I don't know, bro. It's on my phone right now. Okay, I'm gonna hear it. I want to hear it. Um, this isn't like see when I talk about shit. It's not like yo, me and Chains are doing an album. This has been in my phone for the last twelve months. Okay, sitting. I want to hear it after this. What 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 else? Uh, what else could people expect from Static Selector in in twenty eighteen? Uh, expect a lot more TV stuff. You know, I've been doing uh, Jordan commercials for some time now. Look at you yeah. now. Shout out to Reggie. Uh, yeah, shout out to Reg. Um, shout out to Dez too. Dez is the man. Mm -hmm. um, I've been doing uh, a lot more TV stuff. I don't want to talk about things that ain't you know signed sure, yet. Sure. But uh, you know, shout out to Monster Energy. I've been doing you know like the. What's it called? Uh, ambassador stuff with okay, them. Where, okay. You know, I DJ a lot of their events and it's always in the studio. And I've been working with a lot more, uh, you know, corporate situations. But just look forward to a lot new, a lot more new talent, mm. you know. And the radio, always, radio show on. on yeah, Thursday, on, Shade 45, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. That's been going for uh, Always years. a party up there. Yeah, man. It's changed a lot. Like having a little girl will change you on that level. We still have porn stars once in a while, but there's not really <laughs> there's not really no nudity anymore. There used to be a lot you know, of nudity. I remember how many porn stars you used to have out there. Oh, man. every week. Every week. Now we were it's shooting like once Harbor a month. all day out of the box. Oh, we were, 
We're doing all kinds of wild shit. Man. On social, at Static. At Static Select. That's what K is. S-T-A-T-I-K-S-E-L-E-K-T. I feel like I'm forgetting stuff too, man. Yeah, it's, but it's a let lot me of tell you something. Your journey is you, you got to come back again when you drop another album. But not only that, yeah, even if maybe a TV show. Listen, honestly, I've always uh, admired. Like I said, you just not only creating content and not only your contributions, but you know, just reinventing yourself all the time while continuing to push ahead. Appreciate so it. So I, I definitely always appreciate that. Internet, make sure you check out the new album, Eight. Eight. Make sure you check out the radio show. Check him out on, on social. And, and, and when you see him, say, listen, I fuck with you. And, but tell him that the Celtics suck or the Red Sox suck. <laughs> oh, you're going to be sick with the Celtics this year. <laughs> what are we... we, we it's early yet, bro. It's a lot. It's a lot, man. It's early yet. Internet, listen, static selector, man. And just I, know when, when when we recorded this, Celtics in first place. Let's listen, just leave it there. Last thing, the static selector to drop. Who is that? I saw a girl by the name of Erica, man. Shout out to her. She's uh, just one of the homies when I lived in Boston. She was uh, always in the club and we'd hang out and stuff. And one night I was like, hey, your voice, I like your accent. You want to do a drop for my mixtape? It was supposed to be just for the intro of the mixtape. And I just stuck with it for... Hey, listen, it's becoming a household name. Yeah. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have you send me the uh, the, the drop, and, okay. and as right now, as we close it out. You got to put something behind it, though, because this is what happens, is these these internet cats will put out a freestyle and put that in the beginning and make it look like I played it on my show or something. Okay, fuck it. We're not doing so, it. We're we can put it, put it, put like an explosion or like a piano note or something. Okay, you send it. me that, and then All we'll right. put it. Where internet, that? static selector, my homie. Cheer. Yeah. Internet, if you enjoyed that episode, I want you to reach out to me. Email me. Tweet me. Okay? Email the premium Pete show at gmail.com at Twitter at premium Pete at premium Pete show on Instagram at premium Pete at premium Pete show. Also, let me know what you like. Let me know what you didn't like. And also to all my small businesses or big business, no matter how small or big you are, you want to advertise with the premium Pete show, get at me, the premium Pete show at gmail.com and we'll figure something out. Okay. Now make sure you subscribe, rate and tell a friend to tell a friend and I'll see you next episode. Cheer.